0: Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the
1: CEO of CareCentrics. David, I hope you have your A-game on today because we've got a phenomenal guest, Dr. Jenny Schneider, the CEO of the newly launched Homeward, the former president of Lavongo, athlete mom, and thought partner, and a person who's really deeply personally committed to reforming healthcare, leveraging technology in the right way. Welcome, Jenny.
2: Thank you. Delighted to be here with you. Thanks so much for the time to chat.
0: Well, John, I'm speechless. I think I better be on my A plus game with that kind of a uh, kind of interview. So while I sit here stunned, I'll let you ask the first question,
1: Jenny. How many twelve year olds actually want to be an endocrinologist? Can you tell us a little bit about how you started? Uh, become a, 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 a you know, a, a doctor. I mean, talk yeah. about someone who was had, had, had a planning hat on early. That's really impressive. Yeah,
2: well, the answer is hopefully none moving forward when you hear my story. So the reason I wanted to become an endocrinologist when I was 12 is because when I was 12, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So that was kind of the entree into the healthcare profession, if you will. I would say that my own endocrinologist, a man who recently retired, Dr. Roger Nelson at the Mayo Clinic, um, who wrote recommendations for me throughout, you know, college and postgraduate, um, was an incredible, incredible physician. In that. He gave me a tool set and a belief that I could handle anything and do anything. And the way in which I was treated through his eyes, you know, we use the word empowerment. It really was. I really was in control, and he was there as a support system to help. And it really changed the way I thought about health and thought about care, Uh, made me pursue uh, health, uh, going to medical school myself. Um, But it was an incredible experience. But the long and short of it is hopefully moving forward with a cure for type 1 diabetes, there'll be no 12-year-olds who want to be an endocrinologist.
0: Well, that sounds good. So, did you did your commitment ever waver along the way, or was literally twelve, and you said that's it? I mean, how how did your view about what you wanted to do change from twelve to you know when you graduated medical school? I guess at age seventeen or eighteen, based on the on the send up, John just. Uh, delivered at the
2: start. <laughs> There's no Doogie Howser MD that's not in the cards here. I will say that when I went to medical school, I skipped the entire week where they make you sit in class and look at all the complications of diabetics who don't take care of themselves. I didn't go up to class. I didn't show up at class. I hated it. I hated it. I am not an endocrinologist. I never went endocr- into endocrinology, but I actually think that juxtaposition of the person being at fault for their health, that's how you're taught in medical school, it's the diabetic. It's the thing that they didn't take care of themselves, and this happened. And I would sit there and think, "Man, I am doing every single thing I can, and I'm still can't get my numbers to be perfect." It's not. It's not a try harder kind of condition. You know, there are things that happen in health and care that you can't do anything about, and so um, it was a, a pretty pretty eye opening for me.
1: I just think you've made this point in other conversations we've had, Jenny. But that you are not your condition is really something that I think healthcare still doesn't get. I mean, we, we, we in the nineties, at one point we were, we at Oxford, we were trying to convince people to call healthcare human care because we were so focused on the system that we forgot about the humans. And I, I, I just think that one of the things that's very powerful about the way you talk about diabetes. And it's true of anyone who actually try, wants to work with people who got a chronic condition is to, is to, is to think about it from you know, how to live your life as opposed to what's, what's impeding it. And maybe you could talk a little bit about how that's animated the way you kind of show up at work for places like Livongo and, and, and Homeward.
2: For sure. I think that um, Livongo and Homeward similar in that we try to think about the care that we're offering to people by understanding the pain points to the person receiving that care. So rather than take the, like, I am the doctor and you must hit a blood pressure of X, Y, or Z, and here's the following medications that are recommended to you. Instead, you say, wow, this person has blood pressure that's elevated. What is it that's standing in their way from their point of view? Not from the healthcare delivery system, but from their point of view. What are the pain points? Well, Turns out I'm an hourly wage earner and my doctor's two and a half hours away. I'm not sure I would go to the doctor either, right? I, I can't get my prescriptions. I don't actually have a home to that where the you know, I get deliveries. I don't live in a safe neighborhood. What does that look like and what does that mean? And so once you start to, we call it the the pain map, right, of the individual, once you start to map that out, the solution delivery becomes way less med school scientific recommendations and way more practical life, meet people where they are. You start to think about the whole delivery system to people, to your common John, rather than to kind of solving a health issue per se.
0: And at the same time, you know, when you talk about it being more uh, human-centric and more about people, you've also made your career with a lot about the application of technology in healthcare. Do those two things go together?
2: I think absolutely. I think that you know, and this is absolutely true for Homeward. When you look at w- what resources we have in the care delivery ecosystem, we don't have enough services. We don't have enough resources. And so technology can give you an extension of those services very easily. Technology and data can help you personalize and differentiate what it is that you're delivering. Like almost every other industry, you know, healthcare lags behind in a whole, for a whole host of reasons and a whole host of different dimensions. Um, but every other industry has benefited from the leverage of data and technology to make things easier, better, faster, and more enjoyable. Right. And the fact that we still wait for 45 minutes for our scheduled doctor's appointment, reading outdated magazines in a waiting room is kind of hilarious, right? So there's a paradigm shift that we can leverage from other industries and learnings around that.
1: So what is, you know, one of the things I'm always amazed at, Jenny, is how hard it is for technologists and technology companies to really crack healthcare or for for the healthcare system to adapt, but maybe since you've sort of been at the intersection of both, tell us what you think technology gets right and wrong about healthcare and maybe some lessons that you've learned at Castlight or at Lavongo uh, that you're applying in, your, in, in building a new company.
2: Yeah, so as you know, John, I got to learn from you at Castlight, but the um, Castlight was really technology, absolutely no services, this idea that if we build something and it's useful, people will find their way there and then they will use it. Livongo was maybe a step further in that we leveraged technology and data collection around blood pressure, blood glucose, and then we had a services arm, which was a remote call out from a certified diabetes educator. And I think through both of those, um, I definitely understand the power of technology um, and the missing piece of inhuman touch, of, of, of human touch in person. There has to be, at healthcare, there has to be a personal touch at some point in almost everybody's journey. However, it's not all the time and it's not never. And so this idea that can we get smarter by leveraging data collection and technology to find the right people at the right time to actually make their experience better, the care, the care better, and the cost efficiency improved in a way that we can actually scale healthcare. care. I mean, when I look at rural markets, this is our new business, you cannot do a service-dominant model in rural. It will not work. It will not work. You also cannot do a pure technology play if you're delivering healthcare. It will not work. And so therefore you really have to do the hybrid. And by hybrid, I mean a very distinct design around what those needs are for each population. A hybrid kind of technology, virtual and in-person, is not a common course. They all have their specificities. And so you really have to look at the exact population that you're designing for and develop a unique hybrid solution.
0: So I know we've gone from, uh, you know, San Francisco to land to the to to rural. I mean, if you think about, you know, these number of things you said, you know, wouldn't work in the rural uh, areas, I think there's a lot of things that don't that don't work there. I mean, what is this? What is the state of rural health care? And is there any hope of making a real difference there, would you think?
2: Well, yes on the hope I would not be launching this business. Um, And yes on the hope, because this is where I'm from. This is my family. I grew up in rural Minnesota. Um, But the state in rural healthcare, this is not a blip. I mean, rural healthcare in America is under incredible crisis. So the mortality rate, if you live in a rural demographic, and that's defined as 2,500 people or less in a metropolitan area, an MSA is um, 23% higher. 23% higher than if you live in an urban environment. There is half the amount of access to primary care doctors and 13% the amount of access to specialists. And the problem's not getting better, right? So there's been about 100... That's getting worse. um, Way worse. 167 hospital closures in the last 10 years, 35 of those in between 2019 and 2020 it's massive. It's, and so there it's, it's clamoring for a solution. And um, it's in many ways been ignored, I think, because it's hard. You know, people said, yo, you're doing this new business. Like, man, that's going to be hard. And the answer is, yeah, of course, important work is often hard. Hard does not deter us, right? Hard means there's lots of, lots of opportunities uh, to kind of navigate within the system.
1: So on the demand side, that that's super clear to me. And uh, all of the breakdowns of of the healthcare system that that's really is focused on kind of urban and suburban makes a lot of sense. But why do you think you can crack it? With uh, what what gave you what got you excited about your model of kind of tech enabled primary care risk taking? I mean, all, all of those things sound like they're they're urban and suburban products, not necessarily ones that, given the lack of infrastructure, you could pull off. In in uh, no matter how, what the demand is, in places like rural Minnesota or rural Mississippi, like what 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 got you what gave you the yeah. beyond the, the 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 mission piece, where, where's the opportunity?
2: Yeah, I think um, as you know, healthcare is um, there's a lot of timing in healthcare, right? And so there've been a number of um, organizations who have been successful in taking a differentiated business model and own, owning total cost of care. And they've done that largely in urban settings and they've done that largely with services. There's also been a number of companies, and I would put Livongo in this category, that have actually shown that digital care can deliver enhanced clinical outcomes at a lower cost. Livongo's uh, delivery of the technology was not dependent on broadband connectivity. We used cellular connectivity, and that's an enhancement of the infrastructure, the hardware that's at play. And so if you look at these service companies and they've gotten a lot right, but they were built prior to the evidation or the evidence around these technology enabled solutions, particularly with cellular enablement, not relying on Internet connectivity, because we know that today in rural markets, 50 percent of people living in rural markets do not have access to broadband still. So there was really kind of a cross-function where you could look at the service-dominant model, this total cost of care, and apply and leverage the lessons learned within this technology world. And now, I think, it's the right time because we've seen some workings in both of those different departments to combine them because they have to be combined to make a difference in rural markets.
0: So what's the vision of where you take Homeward? And it sounds like they've got the... I'm glad you have hope for, in, all, in all sorts of ways, but like, what, is, what does success look like one, three, five years down the line?
2: Yeah, so, so Homeward, what we're doing at Homeward, to be crystal clear, is we are entering as in-network, technology-enabled providers, delivering clinical care for Medicare beneficiaries and partnering with payers to own the responsibility for the cost of care of that delivery. And so, in terms of our metrics, you know, I've um, John knows me super well. I've got very aggressive metrics. This is a, a much, much needed solution in these markets, and we're looking at distinct geographies, uh, members on our platform live to spread over time, um, but really proving out the unit economics in the next twelve months, and then starting to grow aggressively from there.
1: I guess I have a slightly different take, Jenny. When you think about uh, the the passive data collection and the continuous monitoring that what you're saying, the hardware and the hardware infrastructure for cellular and microcellular and mesh, there's all kinds of ways to get at the data. How do you get people in, you know, in, in rural parts of the country to actually ta- ta- get a, get u- use the technology and what specific things are you thinking about? You think that Oura rings and whoops or are you thinking about, you know, it's obviously not, not as elaborate as halter monitors, but how do you, what, What's what's the hardware you're thinking about, or the monitoring technology, and then how do you get that kind of h- human machine interaction in in, in, a, in a harmonious way?
2: Yeah, I think that. So I, I heard a little bit. You bleeped up for a little bit, but what I think you you asked sure. is, you know, what kind of technology are we using? And the answer is the technology that people need and so when you look at chronic conditions particularly when you look at so forget about chronic conditions when you look at healthcare for people greater than 65 70% of those people have two or more chronic conditions right and so we'll innate, we'll use the technology that best suits their condition whether that's a cellular connected scale blood pressure cuff blood glucose monitor heart rate monitor whatever that is Data capture through cellular connectivity is, is seamless. You just kind of use it and we get the data. And then our our ability to drive the software and the algorithms to make recommendations is the, is the hard work and we've done that in the past. That said, I think the, the probably the most challenging piece of all of this and the part that excites me the most is really understanding individual people and what they want and why they have not opted into healthcare in the first place. Um, Access, we know, is an issue, but there's other reasons that people don't seek healthcare. And so our deep understanding, our commitment to be in these communities, generating um, employment within these communities is a corporate metric, and really embedding ourselves into the existing infrastructure is key to our success. Someone said, "Are you going to ask me? Are you going to come in and compete with existing providers?" And I said, "Well, that would sure be a dumb business model to go into rural markets as a competitor, where the whole problem is there's not enough providers." And so the answer is absolutely not. You know, we're working with communities, we're working with retailers, we're working with barbershops, we're working with churches. We are absolutely a presence in that or in that community, and we're an extension to give her and deliver the services meeting people where they are, recognizing that it is really untenable to ask almost anyone to go a couple hours one way for a, for a preventive screening visit on a regular basis.
0: What do you see? I mean, there's other people that have recognized the challenges in, in rural health care. And you have some things like federally qualified health centers that, you know, that are in rural areas, sometimes Indian Health Service, depending on, on where you are. Are there pockets or examples of things that you say, hey, that works really well, and either you're going to complement it or emulate it or, or just avoid those places where it's set up to work?
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of we are absolutely um, incorporating what works and why. What, but, but I want to point out that what works as a broad topic is really community based. And so a thing may work in a community, may not work in a different community. Right. And so as we enter communities, we're really deeply understanding what it is that's established, what it is that's effective. And how we can integrate that into our existing solution again you have to design with purpose you know this idea that and this is this is probably one of the biggest lessons that we learned at lavongo which was at lavongo like because you have diabetes does not mean like you you are like anybody else who has diabetes right it's like you have this one thing in common but that's about it right so similar for rural you know not all of our members like own pitchforks and drive trucks right they choose to live at these places for a variety of reasons And so our job is to understand what it is, again, going back to this deep, deep understanding of pain points, right? So we spend a lot of time in the community with our members doing ride-alongs, interviews, to really understand and internalize what it is that we're solving for. If we come in top-down, it will never work. Never, never, never. I learned that in medical school, treating people patients right you tell them what to do that doesn't work if you start to understand what they care about and then fit what 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 could make it work into their their belief system their their goals it's a totally different outcome and a totally different journey
0: how would you contrast what you're doing at homeward so, with you- um with what you've seen at city block
2: yeah, it's a great it's a great um uh question and what i would say first and foremost is the team at city block is wonderful and i feel very privileged uh to be on their board and so that is um deep respect for what they're doing the sheer the sheer definition of city block versus homeward kind of urban density versus rural is fairly different and so out the gate we're, we're servicing different populations different swaths and um uh, and, and in some ways are trying to achieve similar goals, which is that we both organizations believe that every individual, no matter their economic status or where they live, deserve a right um, and access to health care, adequate high quality health care, but we're servicing very different markets.
1: So as you think about homework, Jenny, how do you interact then with the primary care docs or the specialists who are already in rural areas?
2: So at Homeward, we do a couple things. Um, where our members have existing primary care doctors, we continue to use those primary care doctors as a primary care doctor, incredible relationship. At Homeward, we're building both primary care services and specialty care services. Is, it's, almost, it's almost without exception, there's very few people who have all their primary care and specialty care services adequately met in the markets where we are. And so where there is a, is a relationship with the primary care doctor, we have support around that and provide some of those specialty care services. That said, about 30% of the population does not have a primary care doctor or is not attributed to a primary care doctor. And so there's a great opportunity to come in and provide primary care services as well as specialty care. We call it comprehensive care. So we're not stealing, taking, we are an extension within 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 the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I and mean, what we're finding at Carecentrics is that closer to 40 plus percent of people don't either don't have a primary care doctor or don't have any relationship with them. Even if they're attributed, they may not have any kind of relationship. And what's powerful is, um, is, is the, is the comprehensive services. How do you, how do you develop? So you're develop you're basically the open door for the relationships as the community based organizations. Is that sort of how you're starting to connect with, with the, the if you will, the disconnected rural? Consumer.
2: Yep. It's a great question. So, you know, when we are in conversations with the payers, right, we'll say, hey, we are willing to come in as an in-network provider and take total capitation for your population. And typically they say, well, great, there's a whole group. To your point, John, there's a whole group of people that are either attributed and have never seen anybody or not are not attributed. Can you can you please target those people and try to bring them in with this, you know, your offering? Will that be enticing to them? You know, can they can you bring them in and help take care of them? where that where somebody is already involved with a primary care doctor we then partner with that person but across the ecosystem right so so again health healthcare is about trust it's about trust and access right and so like what is it that's most trusted and a lot of the community resources are trusted resources because they're local people providing them. And so that is a huge asset to the whole ecosystem to deliver care, somebody to use, not abuse, you know, use the trust and expand the services that can be given to somebody. So that's where our relationship with the local um, the local providers and community assets come into play. Um,
1: it's amazing.
0: And how much difference do you see? You know, will there be certain areas that you really focus on? As you said, all the places are different. You can see, for example, one place and it works somewhere differently. Obviously, they're not all the same. But if you don't learn anything from one place, you're just going to keep reinventing what you're doing elsewhere. Will there be some kind of segmentation that you pursue, or some kind of a phased rollout as we go to you know solving all the problems in the rural America?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, you have to start with with one, and then you quickly develop kind of what are the key variants, and you develop two, then three, then four. So we're really good at segmentation throughout the entire journey from acquisition all the way through the care journey and delivery system, um, as well as as well as our own markets where we're going to enter with um, different payers. And so, again, the the reason in rural markets that you I think you have to have both a hybrid and own total cost of care is. The healthcare reimbursement system right now does not reimburse adequately for existing providers to do what they need to do with the leverage of technology. And so, it, there's just there's you, you have to leverage technology because the the density of people is not there. And so, there's a lot of dispersion of people. And so, the leveraging of technology requires total cost of care. Therefore, the the delivery care system requires a hybrid model. Now, I would say that payers are on differentiated parts of that journey in terms of their own eagerness to embrace providers to own total cost of care. And so um, that, is that we've, we've seen that, you know, in the ecosystem, you guys comment this, I'm sure, multiple times, and that's evolving. And so those are the areas where we'll start, where the, the rails are set up. We're not, we're not reinventing reimbursement. We're using existing rails and taking that forward in areas that haven't been addressed uh, for t- total cost of care before.
0: So I want to ask you one last uh, question that has, I think, nothing to do with the other ones. But since you seem to be doubly represented, if I understand it, I'm going to go ahead. And that's about SPACs. Is it right that you're on the board of two SPACs and where, where are SPACs going? And are they is there more hope for SPACs than there is for rural America or vice versa?
2: Well, it is true that I sit on, and I sit on two different um, uh, SPAC-like entities. They're called sales, so they have a different uh, structure, financial structure that uh, bodes better for both the organization and long-term shareholders. So they're set up structurally differently. With that said, it's a similar concept. Um, And do I think that they're going to bode better than rural America or solutions for rural America? Uh, I think it's I think that there is is. I'll comment where I think that the that industry is going. But I I think there's a huge hope in rural America. I think that's why you're starting to see more entrance and more emphasis in this area. It's so broken. It has to be fixed. And so we will make something better for sure. I also think that when you look at, um, you know, SPACs or sale uh, organizations or infrastructure, in a, in a market where we've seen 13 IPOs in Q1, I think there was like 110 uh, last year, yeah. um, that the, the markets changed a lot. And so these are financing rounds and financing yeah. mechanisms. And I actually think, ironically, the interest is going to pick up. I think um, in my journey with this, it's been fascinating to watch people think of – an IPO as a destination, like a badge of victory rather than a financing round. And there's lots of ways to get financing rounds and get marketing clout and earn respect within the market that are not traditional kind of IPOs. It's it's like a very first time entrepreneur wants to push the button, you know, be on the stage type of thing. Um, So I think that there is, A lot of opportunity, I think inversely, it's probably related to the value of the digital health ecosystem and that there's a lot more work to be done to kind of show true value for some of these organizations. So I think that the SPACs and sales with, you know, good line of sight, good thinking, good management are gonna do fine and do great actually. And I think that the organizations and the institutions that are looking for financing rounds will find the right way to do that. But they have You have to be proven. You have to show your worth in order to get another financing round, right? And so, like, we're starting to see a little bit of that fallout in relation to that to the ecosystem.
0: Great. Well, Doctor Jenny so Schneider David, that imaginary, CEO of Homeward. What, John?
1: I was going to say your imaginary spack is 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 is, is got to be put on ice. Jenny actually represents real companies. So so good luck with that, David. The market
0: is dry. I, John, I don't know what to say except you're, you know, you're ru- ruining my outro here, but we'll try it again. So I'm going to say thank you to Dr. Jenny Schneider, CEO of Homeward, board member of two spacs spac back-like entities, and so much more. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for the chance to chat. Super
0: so fun. that's it for yet another episode of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, President of Health Business Group.
1: And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentric. Thanks, Jenny. And if you like what you heard, or even if you didn't, please subscribe on your favorite service.